Well, welcome back to our study in 1 John. I'm Phil Robertson, joined by Dr. Mark Lloyd, and we got a guest with us today. Gerald, good to have you. Well, thank you. I've been watching this thing, and I figured somebody needed to come in here and, and, and straighten this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is probably some truth in that. I, uh, more I appreciate you he waited to the last, to the last <laughs> chapter, the last few verses. He waits till the end of chapter 5 to come in and just set it all <laughs> straight. for the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Gerald, good to have you. For uh, those of you who may not know, poor Gerald is actually next door uh, from my office here where we're recording, and he's had to endure this every week listening to us uh, go through John, and I'm sure it has been a little cringeworthy at times, hasn't it? <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> it's good to have you. Uh, we're at the very end of this epistle, and it's our goal today to wrap up First uh, John, and we're going to be in First John chapter five, verses thirteen through the end of the chapter. So, if you have the heavenly library with you, open it up and and follow along with us. And I'll tell you what, man, there there's some challenging points in this text, and uh, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I'm happy to have Gerald here. Yeah, it's good to have yeah, Gerald. So I, we'll just turn it over to Gerald. I, I just appreciate the fact, <laughs> but I, I want to say before we get started, I feel unprepared. All I have is my Bible. Right, I'm man. seeing notes. Right. I'm seeing notes. <laughs> and so, I, let me get some papers. Well, what have you been doing all week? I, been, uh, I mean, we were getting ready. <laughs> so I, well, last week you were looking at my notes, if oh, I yeah. recall correctly. So, uh, look at your own. Actually, you sort of look at those. <laughs> yeah. Those are the notes to look at. No, that's on Red the letter edition. He does. He does. He has his own red. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, let's get into it. First uh, John chapter 5, uh, I'll just read 13 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll get into it. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I'll tell you, the first thing that jumps out to me, and I know about Gerald here, is you see a repetition of a word over and over again. It's the word no. Uh, how many times did we just say no in just that text right there? Quite uh, a few. Yeah, uh, at least four. I can just glance down here and see 
I think it's more like 20 times in the book of 1 John. Yes. Uh, just uh, that book alone. So it's definitely one of the themes of this book. Well, verse 13, uh, I've actually got it circled in my notes. If you had taken notes, you maybe could have circled that too, Mark. But verse 13 is that we may know we have eternal life. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. We're putting this in the context of the Gnosticism and the debate taking place in that in that time period and the challenge that's coming to Christians that their faith is really under attack from those who don't believe in Jesus. And, and, and John's not only wanting to combat the false teaching, but it seems to me he's trying to reassure those who believe in Jesus that you can know you're saved, and, and we should all take confidence in that. I, and it's interesting when he goes on to say that you who have believed in the name of the Son of God. I, I don't want to be a minimalist here, but he's saying to them, brethren, you know the name of Jesus. You've been taught the name of Jesus. You've been told what Jesus does for you. You don't need all the things that the Gnostics are beginning to say to you about their so-called knowledge and all this extra amount of so-called knowledge. You have the knowledge that you need to have eternal life. And it's in the name of Jesus. Uh, and that should make us very comfortable. That if we know Jesus uh, and obey his commands uh, and observe his teachings, then we have eternal life. That, that's a confidence we should have. They didn't have it at the time, I don't think, because of the Gnostics. Yeah, uh, there also should just be confidence in our salvation from the standpoint that Jesus didn't just come to save us, he came to give us the assurance of knowing uh, we're saved. And and that's part of that belief in him, believing him and taking at his word. Gerald, how do you see it? Well, I see verse 13 closely connected to uh, verse 12. Sure, 11, 12, and 13 uh, kind of really yeah. go together, don't they? Verse 12 ends, whosoever has the Son has the life, whosoever does not have the Son does not have the life. That's as clear as it gets, but when he goes on here to say, I write these things, uh, then there's a close connection. In fact, all the way through to the end of First John, every verse seems to be connected to the previous verse. And, uh, and uh, so that's... Uh, there's there's definitely that connection there. Well, and he said that more than once in the actually letter. I write these for this. I write these mm -hmm. for this, uh, as he speaks to him. And so I write to you that you may believe. And I, I don't know if that would necessarily be the initial belief, but it would be the concept of you keep believing. Is that the way believing. you see that? Believing, yeah. yes. And and believing is not just a one time act. It's who you are. You live a life of belief. All right, uh, let's get into something that may be a little challenging. Uh, he talks about praying here. And so in verse 14, not only should we have confidence in our salvation, we should have confidence in our prayers. And so I've got three things that I had listed here uh, that John shares with us with respect to confidently going to the Father. Number one, you ask according to his will, and he will hear you. Now, where have we heard that before? Well, in the garden, didn't we? Uh, the idea of asking our Father for anything should be under that umbrella of 
asking for his will. I think some people have maybe taken this, maybe the prosperity gospel or others who are saying, just ask for anything you want, God will get it. I, I, that's not what he's saying. That's not how I interpret it. Uh, why would you ask for something materially that the Lord's already warned you many times could be a detriment to your faith? Why would he give that to you? I think we have to decide what the will is there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Jesus, as you mentioned in the garden, said, it's not my will to be done, but it's your will. So what was the will of God as far as Jesus was concerned? Well, he understood that I'm going to have to die for the sins of the world. So that was his will. How do we determine today what's according to his will? Um, so I, James tells us very simply, he says, you're not having prayers answered because you're not asking for the right things. Right. And so the right things are according to his will. What, what am I asking for that will promote me or improve me as far as my relationship with God? What am I asking for that will promote and improve uh, what's happening on this earth as far as God is concerned. I see those things as being the will of God. And so we just don't ask for anything. It's, it has to do with our relationship with God. But on the other hand, uh, this confidence, this is a word that actually means the confidence to speak out. And it's akin to the thought in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.17 that we may confidently, boldly, it says there, approach the throne of God. And the idea is we don't have to hold back. When we go before God, we can pray our mind to Him. And He is open and receptive and does answer. Yeah. Uh, would you see here, too, and, and this is one of the things that uh, Gerald shared when we first talked about studying this, that the, the three tests that are repeated over and over through here, you, the doctrinal test of believing in Jesus, the social test of loving your brethren, uh, and, and, and then the moral test of keeping the commandments. If I'm praying according to his will, I'm saying, Lord, help me to continue to believe in you like I should. Lord, Help me to keep your commandments like I want to keep them to be pleasing to you. Help me to love my brother as I should. Wouldn't that be praying yes. according to the will? Exactly. These are the things that show that I'm walking with you, and that's what I want to be, and that's what I want to do. So uh, the second thing, the second thing when you look at the confidence in prayer here is you ask for others who are sinning. Now, uh, you'll, you'll notice if, if anyone sees his brother, this is actually verse 16, committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask. God will give him life. Uh, how do you see this? Well, this is, this is an indication that uh, uh, God is going to respond to your prayers according to his will. I think the thing that we need to remember is when Jesus prayed in the garden, uh, God said no. Sometimes we pray and it's simply not according to God's will. Maybe not, maybe not contrary to His revelation to us, but He has another plan. And uh, so if it is according to His will, then He will answer. But to pray on behalf of a brother as well, I mean, uh, do you see it's 
I see my brother who's struggling with sin. Pray for him. The Lord will hear and help this person. Uh, you would also, I think, have to put it under the context of, if you go back to 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just uh, to forgive us our sins. I don't think that's being taken out of play here at all, do you? No. Yeah, certainly be. So you, you see the idea, ask for those who are sinning, that humble soul who is also seeking God's will, God will give him life. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think this is the brother that yeah. he's talking about here. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. So we are praying. Well, yeah, he acknowledges, yeah. he acknowledges, yeah. sees yeah. his brother. Yeah, this, this, this is, is somebody. This is, in the, boy, this just brings out a whole bunch of things about it. <laughs> us being born of God, that we're not going to sin. If we're being born of God, uh, we, we can't be lost. If it's born of God, these kind of things being said, that's not what's being said in this passage yeah, here. Yeah, that's a lot uh, of the uh, th th this is This is saying that brothers may be sinning. Now, we're going to get into this sin not leading to death, I'm sure. But taking that away from this equation right now, he is saying if you see a brother sinning, you're praying for him, yeah. but that person also has the responsibility of acknowledging his sin. I mean, he said that to us in 1 John 1. So both of these brothers, you and me, uh, we, have our, we have what we're supposed to be doing. But I'm told here, if I know a brother is in sin, I need to be praying for him. Right. So... Ask according to his will, and then ask for others who are sinning. But then the third point that I had in my list, but ask not, <laughs> don't ask for, ask not for the one who is sinning that leads to death. And Gerald, so glad you're here to answer this question. <laughs> uh, we'll just throw this one on you. Therefore, there is a sin that leads to death that is distinct. Your thoughts. Okay. I think uh, in the first place we need to... Keep in mind, this is a sin by a brother. That means a believer, a fellow believer. And the next thing that we should remember is that the answer is prob probably in this epistle. We don't know need to go elsewhere. Right. John has already told us what this sin leading to death is. And that would lead us back to the second chapter in verse 22, uh, verse, uh, uh, beginning in verse uh, 22 at least. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, and he who denies the Father denies the Son. So who is the Antichrist? Well, earlier John had already said, uh, in verse 18 of the first chapter, it is the last hour you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that this is the last hour. They went out from among us. Now who is the they? The, the, the members of this community of believers went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been up with us, they would have if, if they obviously they would have stayed with us. So this is a brother who has gone into apostasy, uh, denied the faith, denied his Savior, become the Antichrist. 
And I would take that, I think there's people who may have reached that opinion as they are going along in life, but I, I would add Hebrews 6 there uh, in verses 4 through 6 that their conscience has become so seared oh, yeah. that they're, they're beyond coming back. It's not that it's not that you couldn't ask for forgiveness if I had leaned in this direction and been shown the error of my ways that I couldn't come back from it. But I think it's a, some, somebody who has gotten into that position and is, is so seared with that thought in his mind that Jesus is not the Son of God and is preaching such and will die with that, <laughs> then he's saying there's no sense in praying for him because his conscience is so seared that Jesus is not going to go, or God's not going to come back and answer that request that you help him. And you kind of see a distinction too when you go to verse 18, uh, the different kinds of sin or sinning. There are those who sin, and like we see in 1 John 1, confess their sin, come back to him, you're a liar, and you say you don't have sin. But then there's those who just keep on sinning. The apostasy individual who denies Jesus, the person with a seared conscience. Well, that, that person hasn't been born of God. You're asking hopelessly, you know, and don't ask those prayers in that respect. I think the born of God here is a continual process. Mm -hmm. We have an act that brings us into a rebirth, a new birth with God. That's, that's being born of God. But this is a continuing process that God recognizing us as children. Uh, and so those kind of people who are in God, obeying His commands, loving His brethren, they're not prone to sin. I, that sin there in verse 18 is just like it is in 1 John 3. That's the habitual sin. That's somebody who continues in sin, not the circumstance, uh, sudden sin right. that, that you're constantly being concerned about and wary of and asking the Lord to forgive you. This is somebody who wants to continue in sin. And he's saying somebody born of God is not going to be that kind of an individual. Now, you've, there's a lot of people who have looked at this idea of uh, sin not leading to death and sin leading mm -hmm. to death. You've got commentaries that will be talking about that. You, you've got two people in the New Testament, Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, that died a physical death because of sin. Now, there are some, in fact, that want to take that as being the sin uh, that's leading to death. Now, it's interesting. If John is saying that, he's saying here in this case, if you see somebody sinning there with Ananias and Sapphira, that happened pretty quickly. That was boom. And so if you see that kind of sin, there may have been sins uh, in New Testament times that the Lord said, I'm not going to put up with this. We have a documented one in Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know if that ever happened again, but that's not what's being talked about here. But I think Gerald's point that he said when he first got into it is something that we all need to take into mind when we interpret any text. Yeah. Begin with the document that you're in. 1 John 5 was written to people not with the idea that they would cross-reference the whole world. No. What did John say in 1 John? That's where you get your answer. And, That's where your and answer you can is. see the answer yes. 
it's it's maybe not as hard as we make it out to be if we stay in First John and we see that the sin that leads to death is that apostasy, that antichrist, that denier. Well, that's all. That's true. And the person, the person who sins not unto death, is the person who very simply repents. He has not become so hardened that he cannot repent. That person. Uh, Jesus, uh, John says in the second chapter, has an advocate with the Father. Yes. That person has a propitiation with the Father. First couple of verses. That is available to the person who sins. But the person who will not repent, that is not available. And I want to point out here, this is, this is not the mortal sin, venial sin type of situation you see in Catholicism. There, there's not, there's not levels of sin. If there was a level of sin, it's uh, the, it's the individual who has done something wrong and wants to ask forgiveness right. for it, versus the willful sin. So I see unwillful sin and willful sin is maybe the only two differences I see in sin, and. So it's not that I can get away with certain smaller sins that's not going to lead to death. That's that, not what this that passage point, is. That point, uh, John very carefully points out in verse 17. That's right. That's lest you should think that sin could be taken lightly yeah. because that is available to you. Then he said all wrongdoing is sin. Yeah, right. Verse 18, yeah. Yeah, uh, and... Uh, that's in verse 17. Oh, 17. But, oh, that's 17, yeah. But there is a sin that does not lead to death. Yeah. So, yes, uh, uh, propitiation is available, but uh, it requires repentance. John is making that very careful distinction. Well, and, and that would just simply be a nice bookend from the way that it began with, you know, are you, are you saying you're not a sinner? You're a liar. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're a liar. Yeah, uh, no, no black and white. No, no black and white with John. John's very clear. All wrongdoing sin. You're all sinners. But you can take confidence, as Gerald was saying, you have an advocate propitiation available to you for those who are willing to turn back to the Lord. Yes. You're good. And, and I think also I, this would be a reminder to Christians, all of us, to be confident in our relationship with the Lord. A sin doesn't immediately kick you out. You're not jettisoned up, you're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. No, John's saying quite the opposite. Uh, to the heart that is willing to repent, always seek the will of the Lord, you're, you're not always teetering in the balance. You're in because you have a heart that recognizes, I need to constantly align myself with the will of God. I'm seeking God's will. And Lord, as David says, wash me, make me whiter than snow. Help me, test me. You know, and and the Lord will do that, and that's the confidence we should have. Well, the Gnostic was saying, I'm past sin. Yeah. I have no more sin because I have such knowledge that sin is now past me. And oh, by the way, that I can do anything I want to because I'm not sinning anymore, and I'm in that special relationship yeah. with God through this knowledge. And the brethren are hearing this. So are they, they're saying... We don't have any sin, yeah. and and he's saying, <laughs> no, I mean, that, yeah, that, yeah, don't yeah, jump that's, there. That's no, right. there. No, no, we do have sin, but very quickly, without taking a breath, this is what you have to get rid of those sins. You've got 
the Lord Himself who's advocating for you, who has been sacrificed for you. And as long as you have that attitude, understand we are sinners, but we have this relationship with God and our heart is with Him, then we have forgiveness of sins. So, and so that's what we need to understand. So be confident in your salvation, be confident in your prayer life, and be confident when you go to the Lord seeking forgiveness. He gives it. He gives it. All right, let's close it out. Let's close out the whole letter then. Uh, verses 20 and 21. Uh, well, I guess in verse 19. We know we're from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He's the prince of the air. We know that. John says Satan controls the world in that respect. But we know this, that the Son of God has come, and he's given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, so that we may know God. And he is the true God, the eternal life. Uh, to, to me, it's almost as if, and, and you see little children there again, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or my beloved little children. He's like, I got you. Yeah, I, I, I got you. Y your thoughts as we wrap this up, Gerald? Well, I think I see uh, John the fifth chapter, and especially this ending part of it, as being almost a conclusion to his book. A summary, in fact, of what he has to say in the, in the earlier chapters, and now a conclusion to it. The, this is drawing to the conclusion and reminding, I've already said this, but yeah. you know this. Yeah, one more time. One more time. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, his little line there at the end. Oh, and by the way, keep yourself from idols. <laughs> or how do you see that? Well, that is put in here. Uh, this is the first mention of idols. That clearly was not their problem. But John, almost as an aside, says to them, and by the way, don't get into idolatry. <laughs> well, it's, it's saying your main thrust of problems here have been the Gnostics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and understand there's a whole bunch of pagan religion around you constantly. You've been honing in. If he's in Ephesus, and we think he may be in Ephesus, you know, you've been honing in on the Gnostics. You've been, yeah. but don't let your guard down about all of this pagan religion, all of this idol worship, uh, I'm confident in you guys, but I'm just throwing this in on the side. Don't like, get involved like in that mama. either. That's he's right. like your mama. That's right. Exactly. Hey, and when you go, yeah, remember right. who you are. That's right. Remember who you are. That's what he's saying here. In the world that's around you, there's idol, idol worship everywhere. I'm confident if you guys aren't, but I'm just going to remind you. Don't do it. Well, Gerald, how did we do today? Did you keep us straight? Well, yeah, I think you get a passing grade. <laughs> well, we brought in the expert. We brought in the professional. <laughs> I feel better about this. Well, now I feel more confident, speaking of confidence. <laughs> Gerald said we did good. Well, good to know. No, he you, said we just passed. Oh, we passed. Yeah, I've read too much C. into it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't hey. say B or A. <laughs> but I'll take a pass. <laughs> passing grades, pass or fail, that's, that's what right. we're that's looking right. for. I'll that's give right. you a little extra credit if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gerald, thanks for joining us. Good to have you. Glad to be well, here. Glad we yes. finally got you. We've actually been begging him for a while to join us. So uh, thanks for coming, Gerald. Good to have you. Uh, little programming note. Uh, we will take a week off next week. We're not stopping. All right. I'll be at camp. So we thought we would just wait 
until I got back to camp, and then we're going to go straight into Second John, and then we'll go to Third John, and uh, and then when we get done with Third John, we're looking for our next study. So we're not, sorry, Gerald, we're we're going to be here for quite a while uh, <laughs> recording next door to you. Uh, so, but we're looking for our next study after that. So, anybody has any suggestions of what they might want to hear? I was afraid you were going to say that. I should not have paused. There's no telling what we're going to get. Well, now. let's find out. <laughs> we have the first right of refusal. Well, and we got Gerald. If we don't like it, Gerald, guess what you're teaching? <laughs> but I can leave anytime I want. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, anything else? That's. That's it. All right. Well, brethren, we hope that you uh, have not only enjoyed this study, but more importantly, that you've heard what the beloved disciple is saying to all of us. Be confident in your salvation. Be confident in your walk with the Lord. Uh, Understand that these words, while they may be 2,000 years old in that respect, are so relevant today. And we've got our own Gnosticism uh, that we're dealing with in the world that we live in today. But we can be confident in knowing uh, that the Lord is with us, the Lord will forgive us, and more importantly, the Lord has saved us. Closing thought, Gerald? You said it. I'm good. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, brethren. Take care, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Good night, brother. Good night.
picture a Jewish feast with people from all those nations coming together, and what they heard that day was finally the fulfillment of these promises that they'd been hearing about and waiting for for centuries. That's really an awesome thought. But yeah, they, so from there, they would have scattered, right? Which made me think of First Peter. Uh, you know, I referred to First Peter 2. That's the other place where this is directly quoted is First Peter 2, where he says, in verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Uh, for you, verse 10, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so Peter uses those phrases from the names of Hosea's children to talk about us as Christians today. But who did Peter write that letter to, right? That's what made me think of that. He writes to the dispersion of mainly Jews, but also all Christians throughout all these different areas, as he says there at the beginning of that letter. So you think about God sowing and scattering and Jezreel. What was the spiritual fulfillment of Jezreel? Well, it's actually us. We are still fulfilling that idea of God sowing and scattering. That's fulfilled in the word being sown and scattered. That's fulfilled in us being scattered. That's fulfilled in the kingdom being scattered. And so it's really, uh, to me, you know, I am a word nerd, but I love that, how God took that word, he named that child that, he had a valley, all these things, but that all was culminating in the spiritual meanings that we are a part of even today as we sit here and still read those words from Hosea in 750 B.C. Any other comments or points? Gerald, what did I lead at? But <laughs> Peter makes that point in his letter, too. If you want some supplemental reading for Hosea, read 1 Peter. <laughs> I think specifically because he talks about judgment starting first with the household of God, right? And uh, so it's suffering for that name. Yeah, there's, and once you start seeing these things, there's just so many references that tie this together with, with our, our new covenant and the kingdom we have today.
Did I leave out anything, Gerald? Gerald is going to teach in two weeks. Um, Jason and I will both be at camp. So next week, Jason Powell is going to teach chapter 2. So read chapter 2. I would encourage you to read Jeremiah chapter 31. That's that. I read that uh, recently just preparing for this class and just was struck by how Jeremiah 31 just fits in with uh, Hosea. It's just, and it ties a lot of these things we just talked about together. But uh, read chapter 2, Jeremiah 31, if you'd like to. Then uh, Gerald's going to cover chapter 3 when Jason and I are at camp here in two, two Wednesday nights from now. So that's the upcoming plans. Be reading and studying and thinking. And uh, let me know if there's any questions. Why don't we end with a word of prayer here to close class tonight. Jehovah God, we thank you for letting us know you, for letting us call you by name, letting us see you uh, even in the flesh as you walked among us here on earth, as Jesus came to be our sacrifice and to be that one leader that united us all together. We thank you for this revelation that you gave to Hosea so, so many millennia ago even, and that we can still read today and find encouragement and uh, comfort and peace and, and to just once again revel in the love and the loving kindness and your faithfulness that you've shown and help us to understand each day, how much you desire to save us, to be with us, and to restore our relationship with you forever. Thank you for that and help us be encouraged to perfect holiness in the fear of you and to love you more each day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.